Welcome to this week's edition of Taboo Talk with Jay Lauder. Today's guest is a long-term friend of mine. He's somebody that I've done ministry with all across the country and uh, has an absolutely phenomenal story. I can't help but think, and I've heard this from so many people over the years, who feel like, what do I have to offer God? How could I ever be used to build his kingdom? And as we get into my guest story today, you're going to find out that God can use the most unique people and the most unique passions to build his kingdom. Hank, welcome to today's podcast. Hello, friend. Good to hear your voice. Yeah, uh, man, so good to hear yours. Uh, Man, you know, I I thank the world of you. And, uh, man, just can't wait for our listeners today. I I think a lot of people are going to be surprised, and I intentionally did not introduce the name of your ministry, because I don't want to give away too much here on the front end, but I think there's going to be a lot of hope for people who may be asking, could God ever use me? So let's kind of start off, Hank, a little bit, just to set the table so people know a little bit about you. Who is Hank Huff? When did you come to know the Lord? What was, uh, I know you'd mentioned even earlier as we were talking before the podcast, uh, I think it was your mother or your grandmother you'd said, uh, you, you raised in church and had you walk an aisle, but talk, talk to our listeners a little bit about the beginning. Okay. Uh, well, raised in a small town, country town, you know, my grandmother took me to church every Sunday, a uh, very godly woman and knew who God was. Great high school, great college, good business start, good marriage. Uh, I got caught up in the work world, Jay, uh, became, became very successful and long story short, without getting into a lot of details, uh, my wife, who, who we never argued or didn't really have a problem whatsoever, hit that age 50, but I was 53 at the time, and went back to school and basically kind of fell in love with the professor, like page 50 on a book. And, uh, wow. and my world my world literally fell apart. I mean, I mean, I, it crushed me. I, I think I had a nervous breakdown. Couldn't afford to go find out. I mean, I mean, I, I lost my job. I had four sons, great, great children, just a, just a great marriage. It just, just in life, it it happened. You know, part of it was me. I I was so into work and so into success, I didn't pay enough attention to her. I'm going to have to take credit for that, but I didn't know I wasn't. But at the same time. That's basically kind of what happened. What kind of business uh, were you in, Hank? You, you'd mentioned you'd been successful in business. What kind of business were you in? I was an executive with a major insurance companies. I was vice president and, and, and enjoyed what I did and was always away from the house. And except for the weekends, I'm with my boys. I, you know, I was their coach and I did that type of thing. Very successful boys. There are two are doctors today. One's a pastor and one's a, a musician. State ranked athletes. I mean, just a great little world. But, but so it just, when my world fell apart, I think God wanted me back. I'm in a duck blind duck hunting and crying out to God did not let me die being who I was that I was that bad but I wasn't there was there's just a seed in all of us to sit and say we're supposed to be more than we are for God and I was just more into success and so it it took me it took me like three years to kind of get back on my feet 
Now, at this and, time, uh, Hank, when you were you, were you, I know you'd mentioned that, you know, you grew up in church and there was a point at which, again, you'd kind of be coerced to walk down an aisle. But when when was the age when you actually made the, mm, Hank made okay. the commitment to Christ? How yeah. old were you then? And I guess, you know, well, yeah, I, I well, guess at the time that you had made that commitment, somewhere along the line when you got in the business world is when, even though you knew the Lord, you were too busy making money to serve the Lord. Am I right about that? Yeah, you know, if, 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 if Satan can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. Yeah. And and he made me busy, you know. And I, it, it kind of got caught in that world without even knowing I'm in it. It just seemed like the thing to do, you know. If you want it, go get it, you know, just the things of the world. And my, I did in my life at a church camp when I was like 12 years old. And my grandmother had asked me to. But I wasn't sold out to God. Did not know I wasn't sold out to God. I don't know how to explain that to you except that when— when God truly knocked me down and got my attention, I could see the difference, but I had to look back to see it. You know, I had said the words and at the time meant the words, but my life didn't reflect it, didn't reflect it at all. So uh, he got my attention. And now we're, we're fast forwarding like three, four, four, four and a half years from that date. Uh, found great little lady. I've married her. We're in a Bible study called, uh, um, Gosh, um, well, obviously, though, at that, at that time in your life, obviously, I'm assuming if I'm putting the, the story together right, because of what had happened with the divorce, God used that to bring you back to him. Is that right? Oh, absolutely. No, you know, in de- when devastation hits, you look up. You, you can't take any simple answer under devastation. You've got to find the answer. I was living in my back of my sleeping in my suburban not sleeping very well because I thought they were going to repo with me in it. And, uh, I mean, I went from an executive to, to, to I mean, I, I was a deckhand on a fish boat trying to just stay alive, uh, you know, to, taking showers in the YMCA. I mean, I, I literally fell out the bottom. And, and uh, hang on. That's just amazing. I mean, it's, it's hard for me to, 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 to be able to grasp going from an executive to sleeping in a suburban and taking showers at the YMCA. I mean, this must have been, I mean, obviously a divorce in and of itself is devastating, but not only to lose the identity of being a husband, uh, you know, here you're a father and what you thought was a great marriage to go from that to sleeping in a suburban and taking showers at the local facility. I mean, I, I can't imagine the emotional toll that must have taken on you. Oh, like I said, I, I really think I had a nervous breakdown. I just couldn't afford to go find out. No, <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> it, uh, you know, I, I look at it today and I'm going, God must have really loved me to take me to that level, whatever level I had to go to so that I would truly look up. Uh, I mean, I was blinded in terms of where God wanted me to be. You know, you, you got to stop right there, Hank. That's such a unique statement. You said, God must have loved me to take me down that low. I think some people hear that and they're, they're right now in a low place for whatever health reasons, marriage, finances, whatever. And they're going, well, wait a minute. Hank's saying that God must have loved me to allow me to go through that. And there are people that are going to be listening to this podcast going, I thought God didn't love me because of what I'm going through. Explain that. I mean, what do you mean by that? Well, first of all, I I would say I thought God didn't love me. I, I, you know, when you're in the, when you're in the storm, you, you you can't see the sunrise. You know what I'm saying? You, it was just it, it was just a world that 
that I didn't understand. I had always been able to be successful. And all of a sudden, it just was just when there's no hope in the future, there's no power in the presence. Wow. And I had no hope in the future and I had no power in the presence. And I was just trying to survive and trying to exist. And, and I would have said he didn't love me. I'm looking back now, 25 years later, and I'm just on, I just, I'm on my knees that God would love me enough to take me to where he took me, that I would take my eyes off of the world and put them on him. Goodness, what grace, you know, what grace. So you see it as a gift. I mean, you see that this terrible time that you went through, I mean, your whole world is literally, it's been ravished. But but you look back now, again, you said you didn't at the time, but you're saying that you look back now and, and you see it as a gift that God was reeling you back in. Am, am I understanding that right? Oh, absolutely. absolutely. I would not go through it again. I mean, I would for the result. I would not want that to happen to me. It wasn't my choice of what it would take for me to hear God. I mean, how many times we hear, give your life to God? How many times we hear it and we don't do it? You know, we, we, we give it lip service, okay? And and I'm begging God to, to, to let me be his. And he had to take me all the way back to the beginning. I had to, when I say I was born again, I was born again. I mean, I had different eyes today than I had that I would not have had he not put me through what he put me through. Hank, for and people that are going through something right now, and, and there's people that are listening to this podcast that are hurting, how long did it take you to realize? I mean, because as you said, you didn't realize at the time, this is a gift. And, and, and I made mention on a previous podcast, I've met several inmates that have said prison was a gift. No, I, I wish I wasn't here, but yet God used it to bring me back to him. How long did it take you to come to that realization that this wasn't because God hated you. This wasn't because God took delight in inflicting some type of pain or punishment. But no, this was God reeling you back in. How long did it take for you to see that? Well, there are degrees of that. God changes us one degree at a time, if, if what God's Word says. But he, it took about four years for me to, to get my feet back on the ground, for me to, to want to live again, to want to be more than I've more than just survive. It was really, really, really ugly. Okay. Really embarrassing, humbling, but I didn't even realize it then. I just started becoming paying my bills, being successful, you know, buying me an old car to drive, finding, finding other ways to, to, to do my energy rather than just sitting around trying to, to dream of something. But it wasn't, it was probably, it's probably 10 years before I could really see not the light, but to look back and see the what is it, prevenial grace, prevenial, can't even pronounce it, where I could see the hand of God was on on me, and 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 it just didn't make sense. I mean, that, I, that He had favor on me, and that He took me to that level, as opposed to, you know, just it wasn't like oh here it is. It was step at a time, step at a time. And I look at it today, and I don't know how I didn't see it, except that the darkness is a real darkness. I mean, it's, I mean, I don't know how to say it, you know, I, uh, it, you, you can't see through it. You have to have the faith to keep walking is what it amounts to. Yeah, it's and all of a sudden to just hear, I mean, because when you say you started over, I mean, it wasn't just like you started over. I mean, you, you went from literally nothing. I mean, sleeping in a car, which, you know, and you mentioned being, I'm sure you were embarrassed about it. You were shocked about it. And I mean, literally, as you made it sound like it, just trying to even find a reliable vehicle. It's just amazing to think. No, it was, 
<laughs> why, why are you bringing this up, buddy? No, no. <laughs> that was so ugly, wow. so humiliating, so just, I let my children down. I let everybody down. I let myself down. I didn't even know who I was. And, wow. and, and, and yet God's hand was on me, you know? And uh, So you're saying that sometimes when people feel that God has abandoned them, when, when God is just torturing them or allowing them to go through the worst season of their life, that it very well could be that God is preparing them for something great. And that even though it's a time of pain or you might even call it pruning, it's a time of God getting them ready for something greater. If I understand you right. Oh, you bet it is. I train dogs today, by the way. And the dog that I love the most is the dog. I put the most pressure on. I mean, I don't, I don't put pressure on my neighbor's dog. I don't love my neighbor's dog. I put the pressure on my dogs look at me and the the one that thinks I don't love him because I'm making him run the furthest, go through the briars, go through the water. He's my chosen one that, that, that I'm going to use to tell the world who I am. And I just look at that as the, the grace of God that, that he would use any of us for that matter. But, but I would be one of them to be able to tell the world who he is. I had to go down in order to come back up. I had to truly be born again. And, Hank, if you know, somebody would have came to you when you're sleeping in a Suburban, working on a deck boat, uh, showering in the YMCA, and said, Hank, one day you're going to be on a podcast and you're going to travel the country and you're going to be, <laughs> you're going to have a ministry, I'm assuming that you would have thought those people had literally lost every screw they ever had. Yeah, there's no doubt. It, that wasn't, wasn't even a vision, wasn't a dream, wasn't even, quite frankly, wasn't even a hope. I would be, I'd be asking you, if, could you give me a job that I can just make <laughs> enough money to get the gas? Wow. I remember, I remember going to get gas and I had $2 and 50 cents. I'm sorry. I went to get gas and I went to, to an ATM to get some money out and I didn't have $2 and you couldn't get less than $2 out. And I'm one of the guys over at the gas stations lowering myself to the level, could you please give me enough gas to, to, to get where I'm going? I've uh, never heard you tell that story. That is crazy. I mean, that's I crazy. wonder why. Yeah. I mean, no, man, but I'm glad you did because, I mean, even that I think is a, a lesson to those of us that are listening that that guy at the gas pump that may be asking you for 2 or $3 may be the next guy that God raises up to do something great. But you're, you're already getting into the dogs. Now, let's wait a minute. So you kind of get on your feet. And uh, you you'd, you end up meeting another woman. You got back in the insurance business. Is that right? You eventually, over time. You know, I did a different kind. I went back to, to being a, an agent where you where you sell insurance. And I did several things before I got there. Okay, we won't go through them, but they. But eventually, that's what I did best, and I got back into it. <clears throat> started building a business again, starting all over. Started to get my life back together, and I'm going to church. And then I'm in a, a Bible study experiencing God. And in that Bible study, it said, in the experience of God, it said, in all things, you're to glorify the Lord. Well, my cousin is coming through town. I'm an, I'm an outdoor guy. I grew up that way. We're in a small community in Missouri. And he drops off this little puppy that I did not want. I had no, I had no time. <clears throat> I had no money to feed it to speak of. We were just really getting, getting our bills all paid. I had a small backyard. I had some kids I was still you know, spend as much time as I can, but he drove off and left it and I'm irritated about it. But I had been praying to God. I, I, when I say praying, I'm not saying, oh, Lord, save me. I'm saying, 
God knows when it's from your heart, from the inside into the depth of who you are. I was crying out for the Lord, please don't let me die being who I am. Just, just let me, let me serve some way. I had no, I couldn't talk, couldn't sing and couldn't, couldn't dance. I mean, I thought I was going to get a good voice and a guitar and I got the dog. Okay. So, was uh, it a dog he couldn't take care of? I mean, why why would he just drop off a dog? I mean, was it something that? Well, no, it's, it's another. It's a it's a God thing. What do you mean? Why do you do it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Probably, that probably got written several million years ago. Okay, Ed dropped this dog off, but he no, he loved me, and I love Ed's a great cousin, and we're great friends. But he knew how I loved the outdoors, and he wanted me to have this puppy because it, you know you, he just felt like I needed one. And so he drove on off and left me that puppy, and I'm mad at him. And that puppy's in the house chewing on my table leg. And I looked at him and told my wife, I said, how in the world would God, I mean, how could you glorify God with this dirt magnet down there? And she said, well, won't you just do your part? And I said, which would be what? She said, won't you just name him a Christian name? And I'm looking at her thinking, I didn't say these words, but I'm saying, you got to be joking. You, I can't put a Christian sissy name on. This is where I was, okay? I can't put some little sissy name on this dog. I'm, I'm too weak inside. I need I need the guys I'm hunting with, my dirt-kicking, tobacco-chewing boys. I need something that, that says I'm a man. I need a stealth or a hammer. Come here, killer. You know, I need some big name. <laughs> killer. <laughs> and yeah, you know, something. You know how those guys are. Oh, yeah. And and so I couldn't sleep at night. I kept waking up the night. If you talk, walk like a duck, talk like a duck, you're not a chicken. And so I, I, I could just cold sweats and I finally woke up and I, I, I said, okay, I'm going to name him. He was a little chocolate dog. I, I said, okay, I'm going to name him Isaiah 4031. For those who wait upon the Lord, they shall rise up as if on the wings of eagles, they shall run and not grow weary. I said, I'm going to name him that. And I'll put that down as his registered name. And my wife said, won't you name him Monk? He looks like a little man in a brown robe. Maybe he'll teach you something. And I'm going, oh, sure he is. Yeah, come on, give me a break. Well, Jay, I started training this puppy, and, you know, just, it just it was good for my heart to kind of focus on when I got home. And and and, and as I'm training him, I kind of start seeing God's Word come alive. I mean, I'm going, I'm teaching this dog something, and, and I'm realizing, well, that's in the Bible. You know, sit, keep your eyes on me. You know, he who keeps his eyes on me, I'll keep in perfect peace. You know, I want you to trust and obey my Word. Hey, don't you lean on your own understanding, dog. If I blow this whistle, you acknowledge me. You stop and turn and look at me. And, and oh, puppy, I'm going to send you straight to the prize. I'm going, oh, my gosh. This this is already written for me. I, those weren't shepherds that were in the Bible. Those were dog trainers. <laughs> so I start training him, and I'm outside. I'm in training. I'm training my dog. I, I beg God, if you let me, if you, I couldn't talk in public, Jane. I mean, I couldn't talk in public. I'm dyslexic, and I would panic and, and literally go blank. And so I, I've said, Lord, if you'll if you'll let me talk in public, I, I will never say no. So anyway, I'm out in my front yard training this little puppy, and my a neighbor came over, Craig Robinson, probably gets more credit than I do for Kingdom Dog Ministries, and my wife. He stopped and said, man, how'd you get that dog to be so obedient? And I told him, and he said, man, my son needs to hear that. That ignited Kingdom Dog Ministries, unknown to me, no name, no vision, but the first concept of what? Yeah, my son needs to hear what you just said. And I said, really? He said, I'm going to set something at the church for the youth program. Bear in mind, I don't want to talk in public. I mean, I can't. I want to. I can't. I just literally go blank. If there's anybody out there that knows what I'm talking about, your mind goes blank. But the, the, the adrenaline would just shut me down. 
So anyway, we're outside, small little group, hardly can breathe, got my notes out, written, looked like, I, looked like Braille because I, I, I was so nervous I couldn't even see. It had to move my hands across the words. <laughs> and we get through it. It wasn't that good, but it was. I got through it. As I'm leaving, a man came up whose son had been spending the night with a boy that went to that little Bible, that little youth group program Sunday morning. And he said, wow, that is really good. He said, would you mind, would you, would you come to my church and do that? And I said, well, sure. Why? But I told God I wouldn't say no. And anyway, so that day comes and my wife and I, we drive out and a, a church in way out in the country. So I'm, I'm looking to it and I can't find it. I go by college and I keep going. I come back and lo and behold, that's not a college. That's this church. It's huge. So I'm pulling up and I'm asking these guys, I'm going, Hey, where do you want me to park? I'm supposed to give a little talk today. Here are the kids. I'm thinking I'm going to be out back. And he said, no, no, we've been waiting on you. He said, you're parking right there in the front. He said, they're waiting on you inside. And I said, no, I've got the dog. I'm not going inside. He said, no, you're part of the church service. Total panic. I mean, had my wife not been there, I would not be here today because I would have left. Oh, I would have. It was just that unbelievable. And I tried to get out of it anyway. I said, Pastor, wait a minute. My dog's never been in church. That lady in the front row up there in that green dress, she looks like a bush. I don't think you want my dog in here. And so I did everything I could to get out of big church. I don't know, five, 6,000. It was so big that they had two big screens, big at the front of my house that, that, that they video things on. I'm standing at the back. My, my knees are shaking. My time comes. I hear him call my names. And these two screens drop down. And it did not say Hank Huff. What it said was, Monk teaches obedience and glorifies the Lord. Wow. My knees almost buckled. I had said to my wife, how would God glorify himself with a dirt magnet? And God wrote it on the wall. And I'm looking at it. I don't remember the talk today. I just remember I did it. I got through it. That was so-and-so. Six weeks later, 700 Club picks us up, and we go around America. A man that couldn't talk and an average dog Three, four weeks after that, Christian World News picks us up, and we go around the world, a man that can't talk and an average dog. From that day forth, God just opened up door after door after door. Now, two, three, four years later, I'm, I'm getting a little better at it. Not good yet in terms of, I'm not sure I'm good today, but I, at least I, I don't panic like I used to. We're at a big event in South Texas, and uh, the the, the farmer there had, as a men's event, had put some rat poison out for coyotes had been coming to his ranch. On my way home, my muck dog starts bleeding. I'm going to talk about today. Anyway, he he dies on me, and I am angry. Here I am doing the best I can. Here I am trying. Here I'm giving a hundred ten. My dog is so faithful, and God takes him away from me. And and I just figured, like, okay, I tried. So I don't want another dog. About three, four, five months later, a young boy that that had wasn't my son, but he kind of lived with me and was like, I've got four sons, and he kind of adopted in there with us. Uh, he his grandfather sent him a black female, unknown to me, an outstanding dog, but. We started, we, we would breed this dog twice a year. It had two litters, roughly eight dogs a litter, $500 a piece. That's $4,000 every six months. I'm, I'm sending this boy to college. 
selling puppies. And the last puppy that we have is kind of a little runt, kind of kind of loud, big head, skinny legs, and just a yapper. Drive you insane. I couldn't even sell him. In fact, the truth is I gave him away three times, and three times he came back. And I'm only mentioning that because you give somebody a puppy, somehow they fall in love with him, but not this little guy. He comes back. He's in my backyard, and I go outside, and, I, and, and, and he's dead. And I go back in the house, and I tell Jane, that little puppy died. She runs out, and she's bringing him back, and I can see him. She's got her, the dogs in her arms, upside down, stiff, and she's saying, he's not dead. He's not dead. We, we, we've got to get him to the vet. And I said, sweetheart, I don't have $900 to go to the vet. That is not my puppy. And the truth is, if he were to live, I wouldn't even, he's got a problem. Who would I even get him to? That's when I got the look that you get from your wife that says you're going to the vet. You know that kind of look I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we go to the vet, and I had to apologize to her. It wasn't $900. It was only $860 later. The vet comes out. Tony's a great friend of mine today. Back then, I'm stuck on her Hank, and he was the vet, Tony. But he said, I've run every test I can. It's not Parvo. It's not la, 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 la. But I will tell you this, Mr. Huff. It's temperature so high, I don't think you can use him if he were to live. He said, if you want, we'll take good care of him and keep him here until he expires. And I said, yes. And my wife said, no, sir, that puppy will not die back there by himself on that cold, hard concrete. If he dies, he's going to die in my arms at home. Thank you, Lord, for big-hearted women or people, for that matter. So we take him home, and I've got him in the sink, or she's got him in the sink. We're trying to get his temperature down, putting some, some cooler water on him. And she looked at me, and she said, Hank, pray for this little puppy. Now, Jay, back then, we're talking 25 years ago, basically, I said, you don't really mean pray, pray for this puppy, Jane. I mean, it's a little sacrilegious. She said, no, like he's a son. I said, I don't know if I can. She says, just like he's a son. I said, she said, for me. And, and it really kind of bothered me. And I reached up and grabbed a paper towel. That, by the way, that paper towel is framed on my wall today. And I wrote, roughly wrote out, Lord, if you will save this puppy, I will name him the prophet. Not a prophet that can hear your word that no man can hear, but a prophet that will teach your word in such a way that it will change men's lives. During the night, Jay, that puppy's temperature broke. Eight years later, a man who couldn't talk and an average dog God had used to bring over. 10,000 men to Jesus Christ. This is not my ministry. God just, I cried out loud enough. God heard me. He gave me my passion for dogs and a love for him. And he opened doors for me. And and I walked, it was not easy, but you just start walking and it walking in bigger doors and bigger doors and bigger doors. You know, to hey, the you, day. it's, it's amazing, man. I, I mean, I've seen this firsthand. And so those of you, obviously, that are listening to us right now, I'm telling you, I, I don't know what we're going to name this podcast, but if I had my way, we're going to name it When Labradors Preach because you would never nah. I mean, it's amazing seeing these dogs in the churches and, and how the, those dogs capture people's attention. and To think how God has literally used dogs to change the eternal destiny of thousands and thousands of people. I mean, I remember one of my favorite events we did together is when we did this crusade with about 50, 60 churches in Louisiana. Matter of fact, I was preaching in Lafayette about a month ago, 
And the gentleman who was the chairman of that crusade came to hear me preach in Lafayette and said, man, that's the greatest crusade we've ever had in the history of, of our parish. But I remember that you brought in, I, I don't remember which dog it was. It would have been profit. Yeah, profit, it would have been yeah. profit. And you got up and you talked to the folks before I preached and you had set up a cross. We were in a rodeo mm-hmm. arena. Yeah. And you had set up a cross over in the far left-hand corner from the stage, and it was dark. Nobody could see it. And right. Prophet was on the stage with you, and you had already, before the service began, you had set a dummy. For those of you that don't know what that is, it's a it's like a plastic thing that Labradors retrieve to help train them for retrieving ducks and dove and whatever. I, I, I'd, actually, I'd actually put about a three-foot rawhide bone over there. Yeah, a okay. big reward. Yeah, and I remember you sent... The dog, you sent Prophet down off the stage, and from the stage, I, mean, I hope you guys can visualize this, but from the stage, only by a whistle in Han- Hank's hands, he is signaling where this dog to go. So the dog walks off the stage, goes down amongst the people, runs up the ramp, goes up, and uh, matter of fact, I don't think, if I remember correctly, Prophet had no idea where this bone was, right? No, no idea whatsoever. Yeah, no idea at all. So this dog's being sent, in essence, blind. In, only in following. faith. Use the word. He had to go in faith to, to get the reward I wanted him to have. Yeah, and, and, and he's simply following the commands of Hank from the stage. And literally, Hank tells the audience, you know, don't move because he's going to walk by you. And the dog goes up in the bleachers, walks by a row of people, they didn't even know that there was a rawhide bone underneath their seat. He grabs the bone and takes the bone over in the left-hand corner where nobody could see it. There was a cross, and he steps on some button that Hank had already put there. And when he brings it back to the master and steps on that button, the cross lights up, and the crowd went crazy. I mean, I remember sitting there waiting for an opportunity to preach when you were done, and I remember the chills on the back of my spine. Uh, just a phenomenal. And, and matter of fact, I remember another time um, when I was at home, and, and I don't remember what was going on in my life, but I, I just know it was a time of struggle. And you didn't really know that, and you were talking about one of your dogs, and you were giving this illustration that you had this dog and he really wasn't obeying like he should, and so he had been left behind. And you were talking about, you know, I still love the dog. I don't love the dog any less than I ever have. I'm still providing for him. I'm still meeting all of his needs. But that dog is at home, and he doesn't even realize what he's missing by not being on the road with me. And you said something along the lines, and this has been years ago, but in essence you said sometimes, Jay, that's how God works. Because we're not obeying the master, he lets us stay behind in the backyard. And it's for our own good. It's until we're willing to be faithful and obey him. And, yes, he still loves us, and he meets our needs, and he provides for us. But we're missing out on a world of opportunity because of our lack of obedience. And, and again, I don't remember what was going on in my life, but I remember I walked in the house, and I said, Hank just told me this. And I said, I really feel like it was a word from the Lord. I could go on and on and on. I mean, it's it's just been amazing seeing these dogs and, who would have thought? I mean, I remember yeah. telling my wife and my kids, I said, you were uh, in a neighboring town. It wasn't actually an event with us. But I said, you guys got to go. I want you to go meet this friend of mine and, and see his dogs. And they're like, dogs? What do you mean? I'm like, yeah, there's going to be Labrador retrievers are going to be in the service. 
And they're like, okay, you know, they were they were kind of skeptical, like, how is <laughs> how's God going to use a dog? And like everybody else, they they fell in love with you and the dogs. And I think another thing, Hank, that really is appealing to your ministry is the fact that, as you've well stated, you're not a professional speaker. It's not like you went through a an oratory it's, class. Yeah, it's not pretty. Well, I don't know about that, but it's effective because people know that you're real, and there's just something about it. Obviously, people are not accustomed to going to church and seeing Labrador Retrievers run around the service, but it captures people's attention in a way that, honestly, I don't know that anything does. And you've now been on television and traveled all across the world, and I can't help but think that as I started the podcast – there may be somebody listening today and go, I went through a divorce like Hank did. I mean, how could God ever use me? Or I'm stone cold broke. I've lost everything. Or my world has come crumbling down. What would I have to offer? And and really, that's one of the reasons, not just because you're a friend of mine and, and your ministry is so effective, but I, I felt like it would be great for our listeners to hear that God can use whatever your passion is. I mean, it could be golf. It could be anything where God could end up using that as a ministry tool, I think about, I'm like you, Hank, I love hunting and I love fishing and it's been something I've always done my entire life. I grew up that way. And even though our ministry is not a ministry focused on hunting and fishing, I'm amazed at how God has used the passion that I have for the outdoors. And I mean, just like later on this year, I'll be doing a men's event in the Missouri area. And it's, it's like a hunting expo. And I've done countless of those. And Kind of like you, if you would have told me years ago, well, God's going to use your passion for hunting and fishing and using that as a springboard and an open door for you to share the gospel with other men, I would have thought you're crazy too. I mean, yeah, I can get that he's going to use my preaching, but how would he ever use my passion for the outdoors? And I think there's a message there for our listeners that, I mean, I've heard you tell the story, and I know when your wife made mention that you know, God could use these dogs as a ministry. It sounded ludicrous to you. And I want our listeners today to know that it doesn't matter what it is. I mean, if you're willing, and I think that was another key point, Hank, is you said, I'm willing. If God opens the door, I will go. And and I just can't help but think that there's a lot of ministry opportunities that our listeners have no idea that could potentially be before them because God wants to use those passions as a as a way to reach other people. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. If if my dog does not do what I ask him to do, Jay, I will get another dog. And I think that's important to say. Like you said, it, it is he do I don't love him? He's priceless to me, absolutely priceless to me. But he doesn't do what I ask. I got him to tell the world who I am as the master trainer. And I'm saying, who's listening to us today that God loves, they're priceless, and he can't use them because they're not willing to trust, first of all, to learn his word and then to trust and obey it. It's just, it's pretty simple. Job 12, 7, if you want to know who God is, Job said, ask the beast of the field and he will teach you. These dogs should be able to change your life. Because he says it will. It's been amazing, just unbelievably, so much bigger than I ever, than I am, or ever will be. And yeah, man, so, I'm just so proud of what God has done in your life. And by the way, 
Hank's ministry is called, and you probably already caught it when he mentioned it earlier, but it's called Kingdom Dog Ministries. And if I remember correctly, I've been to your website a million times, but I already have it in my toolbar, but I believe it's kingdomdog.com if I remember right. Yeah, it's kingdomdog.com. Right. You can follow Hank. And no, you know what? You know, we, I'm sorry. We changed that to kingdomdog.org. It's now org. Kingdomdog.org. And, and Hank, mm-hmm. what's your, your main dog now? I know you've had Monk, you've had Prophet, the name ben, is Bandera. Bandera yeah. One of my favorites. By the way, matter of fact, I, yeah. I don't know if you remember this, Hank, but so Bandera is one of my favorites. He was a black lab. And, and, yeah. and I've always had labs my whole life. And I like the kind of the English look with the big head. And Hank used to get so frustrated at me because Bandera was his main dog doing a lot of ministry. I, you know where I'm going with this, don't oh, you? Oh, yeah, I know where you're going. And yeah. Hank's very particular about the dog's diet. And Bandera sure liked me because what we would do is Hank would speak at these men's events. Some people call them a beast feast or, or whatever. And Bandera loved me because I would I was always sneaking stuff under the table and feeding him. And he would tell me not to do it, but I just love feeding him. <laughs> that dog loved you, man. Yeah. No, I. How long ago I'm did using, he pass, Hank? He's not living, correct? No, he's. That was probably three, three and a half, four years ago. I'm. I'm actually using. Think about this. Had I not got another puppy, let's call him a disciple. Had I not got a disciple, I wouldn't have a ministry today. I've always wondered why Jesus didn't say, "Go save souls." The last thing he said was, "Go make disciples." It makes so much sense. I, without my disciples, I've got the great, 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 great grandson of Prophet is my main dog. It's a, it's just, just unbelievable. But see, dogs don't live as long. Again, ask the beast of the field; they don't live long like we do, or as long. And so the general, you can see, you can see a whole life. You can see a puppy. You can see him not want to be. You can see him be born again. You can see him look at you with different eyes. You can see him start to say, maybe I'm trusting you. And that trust turns into hope. And that hope turns into belief. And the belief turns into faith. And that faith is what sets him free and allows me to tell the world who I am through him. It's just so biblical to, to, to see why God said, ask the beast of the field and he'll teach you. But no, I've got the same bloodline, just a different generation. That's all. Well, you know. and, and Hank, every one of your dogs, I, I don't recall if you mentioned this during today's podcast, but every one of your dogs, while they may have the name Prophet Monk Bandera, their their birth name, legal name on paper is always a scripture. And I always. remember you telling a story about you were in field trial. For those of you that don't know what that is, uh, there are different competitions where people bring their labs and it's a competition to see how well they can do certain things. And so when Hank's dogs would be introduced, they weren't introduced as i.e. Bandera, Monk, Prophet, mm-hmm. they were introduced by their Bible name. So everywhere that Hank went, when the announcer got on the loudspeaker, he had to give a memory verse, a, a scripture verse, to the audience. And I always thought that was so clever, Hank. Yeah, that was, you know, even if, if I'm walking down the street, my dog carries his own leash, and he's walking by my side, and somebody comes up, oh, my gosh, what, what, what kind of dog is that? And I said, he's Christian. And said, pardon me? Yeah, I have a little atheist dog wanting to serve himself, so I got me this little Christian dog. No, no, and we go right into God's word. What's he do? He's an evangelist, man. He loves to find that which is lost and bring it back to the master. Watch this, you know. But I challenge the, I challenge your listeners to next time they buy a hamster, goldfish, turtle, bonsai tree, put God's name on it, that their children will know who made it. 
and who it belongs to. Well, you, you know? said something to me one time, because I've had labs my whole life, and I never really thought of that. And But you had made a comment one day, and, and, and really resonated with me being an evangelist, because obviously my calling in life is, is to preach the gospel to people who are lost so they can be found by Christ. And you made a comment that that's really what a lab does, it's Labrador Retriever. That's what they do. Yeah. They seek what is lost uh, so that it can be found and brought back to the master. And matter of fact, for our listeners, a little side note here, I had a lab named Gage that, like Hank, was a hunting dog for me. And uh, that dog was, I mean, we're I'm like Hank. Our, our dogs are literally like family. When they pass, I mean, our world mm. shuts down. It, it, we, yeah, I, it I, hurts. Some, some of you don't get, understand that, but for dog people, I mean, it's devastating. But my, my dog, Gage, had died, and I said, you know what? I can't, I can't go through this anymore. It was just crushing. It um, ends up, one day my wife calls me and says, hey, I talked to Hank on the phone today. I said, oh, really? Well, how's Hank doing? I, and uh, she said, he sent a picture. And I said, a picture of what? She said, well, I know you said you don't want another dog, but Hank sent a picture of a yellow lab, and my lab that had died was yellow. And I said, Missy, I am not getting another dog. And she said, I'll never forget this. She said, Hank told me that this is one of the best dogs he's ever seen. And, of course, this dog, I can't remember, it's probably four or five months old. You, you'd had him long enough to know how well he yeah, trained. And somebody I, had offered trained. you a lot of money for him. Right. And you told my wife, because I'll never forget her telling me this when I got home. She said, Hank told me that this dog's got to be Jay's dog. It would be an honor for me to give him a dog of this quality. And I looked at the picture. Now, my wife, you, you were smart enough to know if you'd have sent it to me, I probably wouldn't have, just because of my hurt, I probably wouldn't have accepted it. But, man, you had my wife hook, line, and sinker, and then you and I were doing that event in Lake Fork, Texas. We had that fishing tournament and crusade and what all, and you brought that dog. And, uh, man, from the day I brought that dog home, he never one time slept in the backyard in his life. He's a great, great hunting dog, great family dog. And as I told you, we had to put him down, oh, I don't know, I guess that would have been about October. I don't know, whatever that's been, seven, eight months ago. And, man, I'm telling you, we still haven't gotten over it. Every no. one of us has a picture of I have a picture of him here in my office, and all the kids have a picture of him, but, I just love the story, Hank. It's just such an incredible story. I love the fact that uh, you went through hell and God used that to bring you back. I love what you said earlier today about how that was a gift, even though you didn't see it at that time. I love the fact that I like the fact, Hank, that you you, you weren't not a talker. You weren't somebody who you felt was a, a gifted speaker. Because, again, I think all these are factors that the enemy uses sometimes against people to convince them why God couldn't use them. And and they are the very reasons um, that God can use them. And again, as we talked earlier about passions, that God gives people certain passions. And while it may seem ludicrous as it did to you, that God could use a Labrador retriever and God can use anything. And we all know the stories in the Bible where God's used uh, even a donkey to speak to people. So certainly if he can use a donkey, he can, he can use a lab. Yeah. You know, when I look at a litter and I see these little puppies, they all look alike. You know, they all want to, they're self-serving. They're born with self-serving deceitful heart and they have choice. You know, it's all about them. And I reach down and I decide I'm going to use that one. And, and he has no idea 
absolutely no idea the plans that I had made for him, you know, just like God. I mean, going, it, you see, when I look at him and I know what he's going to be, I know this is going to be a master level competition dog and he's going to change lives. And I go, you, you becoming a champion, young puppy, you becoming a champion is not your gift to me. It's my gift to you. So you becoming God's servant, you, you taking that, talent that passion he gives you you just give it to him you give it back to him and you watch what he'll do with it i mean it it will totally change the world just it'll change you your world uh it's 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 not about you it's about god loving you and and i love that puppy before he ever loved me he, he just didn't have the eyes to see he could hear my whistle but he didn't understand it I chose to reveal myself and the meaning of my whistle to him that the day he can go a half mile around the tree, come back and never hear my voice. And the rest of the dogs are making fun of him because he's listening to a whistle. God's Bible is your whistle and it'll separate you from all the other dogs. You know, you just pray that God will open up your ears that you can hear it. Man, Hank. Just such a great ministry, and I love that so unconventional, and man, God has used you in my life in so many different ways. Our times together have always been such a huge blessing to me. I've always loved being around the dogs, and and man, I, I just think that your story, we were having in staff meeting last week and talking about who was going to be a guest, and, and I thought of you immediately. I said, I can't believe we haven't had Hank on already. I just think there's so many lessons there, and I think it'll be a lot of encouragement to a lot of people. And I encourage those of you that are listening. Listen, you've got to go to kingdomdog.org. You've got to see these dogs. How many do you have in the stable right now, Hank? I say the stable. You know what I mean by that? Yeah, really, yeah. I always have six. I have actually two that are retired. They'll die in my house. They have a place in my house forever. They're under the banquet table right now. I have two that are full-blown champions. I mean, you just go, oh, my goodness. And I have two that don't even want to be yet, Jay. No. <laughs> yeah. They have no idea what my plans are for them, you know. And and so I usually try to run that, you know. I keep them separated in, in that category. And so, but you know, there's there's three things that love you unconditionally. Absolutely love you unconditionally. That I have only three. A baby will love you unconditionally. Wants nothing from you. A dog loves you unconditionally. We know they want nothing from you, but to be in your presence in God loves you and wants nothing from you except your heart. Oh, you know, so I say, if you don't have a baby, get a dog. And, 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 <laughs> I love that, man. Well, yeah. I, I want to encourage our listeners again, go to the website and you, after you're there and you see, and I think there's also videos, Hank, isn't there on YouTube where people can see there, some of these life yeah. lessons. I, I encourage you to encourage your pastor to have him at your church. Uh, you won't forget it. it. It'll be the most unique ministry opportunity. And God uses Hank and these dogs in just a phenomenal way. Hank, thank you so much for being a guest today, brother. I love you. And, uh, I love you too, and brother. I, I hope we can do ministry together soon. Amen. Thanks for what you're doing for the Lord. All Blessings. right. Blessings. Bye-bye.